Business for me is challenging, but I like the challenge it comes with. The problem with a lot of people is that they start a business and they just don't carry the same energy that they started with. The business is never guaranteed. You can fail at any point in time because of external factors. Doing business is hard. I'm not even going to lie. But if you have someone on your team who motivates you just as much as you motivate them, and if you have a blueprint, you have like you know a template you're following, it makes it easy. If you start a business and you don't have a plan, you don't have a vision, you really don't know what you're doing, you're just trying it out, you realize real quick it's going to fail. In business, you need positive mindset, you need positive energy. So if you're not, you don't have that kind of positive mindset or positive energy around you, it's going to drain you. So you need to find the people who can really bring out the best in you and that positive positivity in you. Welcome to Connected Minds Podcast. Now, today we have another episode of an awesome conversation that is going to happen. On this episode, like we always say, one good conversation can change a million lives. We have seasoned entrepreneurs who would come here, discuss their journey, the things they've been through, and what you can learn from it at home. So if you haven't subscribed on our episodes, please do check the channels on YouTube as well. Today, I have Cecilia Efutu, who is the CEO of Konzoom Platform. And I welcome you to Connected Minds Podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi, Derry. So nice to see you. It's amazing to yeah. see you. Yeah. When I saw you, I said, wow, I feel like I'm back in Kent, mm-hmm. you know? It's been so many years. Many, many years. <laughs> many, many years. And we've just been seeing each other's pictures on the internet. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. there hasn't really been any conversation. But then when I send you a message, it takes a while for you to reply. I guess you're so busy. Business is doing well. I mean, it depends on the, the platform you use to contact me. Okay. If it's, I think I'm very active on LinkedIn. If you want to get me to respond to you, LinkedIn is the place. If right. you write to me on Instagram or Facebook, then it takes like weeks because I'm not really active on there. But yeah, business is good. I'm happy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And yeah. thank you for coming. This means a lot to me for you to be here today because um, I have seen a lot of things that you have done, you know, since you left uni up until now. But one of the things I wanted you to tell us today to start with is how did you start getting yourself in business and mm. why business is crazy man this mm-hmm. people go crazy trying to do business yeah <laughs> that's a good question yeah so um i've always been in business always i mean before we even started i was telling you about this business i'd been doing like when i was 13 so at 13 already i was like selling plantain chips in my school in my primary school and i've always one way or the other been involved in business so after I finished high school. I started a shoe business with a friend of mine. We were selling, we were ordering shoes from China and then selling at university. So people would order on Facebook and then we ship it to them. I did that for a while. And then after university, a friend of mine and myself, we did, we came up with a show called Africa in Vogue. And basically what we wanted to do was we wanted to create a platform where African creatives in fashion, art, and music 
can interact and collaborate with each other. So we did a whole season of about 12 episodes. It's still on YouTube. And we traveled through Togo, Benin, Ghana, interviewing people like designers, musicians, you name it. And it was so beautifully done, but there was no sponsorship. So, and all the TV stations were pitched to, were like, okay, you need to pay us to put it on air. And we felt like at the time, people would have learned a lot from, you know, Africa and Vogue because they would have seen the incredible things African creatives were doing across the continent. But it didn't happen. And then after, um, I started a business with my sister. So um, it's CNT Hair and Beauty. And basically, we saw a gap in Germany where I grew up in because there wasn't, we weren't, we weren't, it wasn't easy for us to get access to hair products and hair tools and accessories. So every time we watched YouTube videos, we'd see people in the UK, US, Canada, they would be using new hair tools, new hair accessories, new hair products. We didn't get that in Germany. So my sister and I, during like COVID, I guess, I think it was right before COVID in 2019, let's start our own like online hair store where we would sell these things to people, black people or people of color living in Germany. And we did that and it really took off. And yes, now she fully manages that. So I've always been involved in business one way or the other. Yeah. I see. And what is it about business that, what do you get from it? Because I I, I asked that question because for me, it's like um, after I've taken one challenge, let's say today I want to, I feel like I want to start a new website Mm. where people can order clothes, right? The thought comes in. And as soon as I get it done, I get a burst of some sort of like euphoria. Mm. You know, I get, I get a certain level of fulfillment about it. What is it about you that keeps you going? I think it's the same for me. When it comes to business, I've never been the one, the kind of person to want to work for someone. I've worked in the corporate world. Every time I work in like an office setting, even though I'm providing value, I'm adding value to the company or the organization, I just was never fulfilled. I felt like I wasn't living my purpose. I was doing things to please, you know, my parents because they wanted me to be in a nine to five because it's, it's secure. You earn your, your checks at the end of the month. But for me personally, I felt like, you know, there's nothing, there's no value. I do the same monotonous work every day. I go to the office you know, we sit in meetings, I interview people because I was part of the HR team at some point. I interview people. And then I do the whole, um, you know, initiation. I, I introduce them to the company. I do the training. I do this. But it was never like exciting. But every time I did business, I found myself wanting to do more. So business for me is challenging, but I like the challenge it comes with. I've always been the kind of person to take risks. And my parents are like, that's dangerous. Yeah. You know, wouldn't you rather have a, you know, a full-time job? You Mm. know, business is never guaranteed. You can fill at any point in time because of external factors. But for me, that kind of fulfillment, every time I get into a business that I really want to, I push myself to the limits. I, I go above and beyond. And I enjoy the hard work, seeing the the end results. Because it's, I mean, consume, for instance, has been two years we've been operating, but the research and the work behind the scenes happened a year before we launched. Right. So seeing that whole year of planning, playing out according to what the plan was back then, excites me. I'm like, okay, 
it's going, it's rolling out. Like I can see it's unfolding every single day, the plan, the vision, you know, and it's exciting. It just gives me this thrill, this adrenaline to just keep wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, talk about um, your existing um, business, um, Consume. You know, how did it all start? Yes. So Consume started during lockdown. Um, We were in Berlin during lockdown, unfortunately. We couldn't come to Ghana at the time we planned to come. And there were all these um, rapid grocery delivery services that started. I think even in the UK, they have some. So they have like Gorillas, Getia, um, Flink. And would place an order because at the time, my daughter was very young. She was like, what, a year and a half. And I couldn't go to the supermarket. couldn't do anything. So I'd order online. And within like 20 minutes, the groceries would come to me. We just like at the time, we just leave it at the door, disinfect the bag mm. and everything and then take it to the kitchen. Yeah. And we were seriously considering moving back to Ghana after the lockdown. We were actually like having the conversation. We need to move back. You know, we want to start a business. And I had been talking to my um, supervisor at work. Okay, I think I want to do my own thing. I think, you know, my partner and I were considering moving back to Ghana. So she was aware of it. So the only thing that was left was, okay, what, what business are we doing? Ghana is huge. What are we going to do when we go back? And for us, we try the services of these rapid grocery deliveries. And we realized that, you know, the quality of products they brought was the same as the ones in the, the supermarkets. And also it was just, it was convenient for us every time we ordered on, on a platform. So why don't we take the same idea and replicate it in Ghana? Well, for us, the vision goes beyond Ghana. It's we want to replicate it across Africa, but we're starting with Ghana because it's home. Of course. But, you know, Ghana, there's urbanization. A lot of people live in the cities. Yeah. We have a huge middle-class population and it's growing every single day. You have people who have high purchasing power. You have people who are tech savvy. The average Ghanaian orders things, a lot of things online, if you think about it. Yeah. Like we're on Global, we're on um, Menu Finder, yeah. we're on Boats, we're yeah. on Uber. Yeah. Jumia. Yeah. You name it. Even like on WhatsApp, you have all these ladies like well, ordering clothes from boutiques online on WhatsApp and Facebook. That's every, the average Ghanaian is buying things online. So why don't we take this idea there and provide this kind of service to the people who are busy? They, you know, they have the, the purchasing power, but then they enjoy, you know, convenience as well. So that's where the whole idea came from. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I know your, um, your other half is the um, CTO yes. as well. So, uh, because obviously for, for, for us, when we started doing business, my wife was never involved mm. um, until after some time, you know. So how did the two of you, you know, get that synergy together to yeah. run a business? For us, I think it came naturally because he's, he's the tech person. He's a software engineer. So this is all he's done, you know, since oh. he, he graduated from uni. And I've always been into some one business or the other since he's met me. Like I've always been doing something business related. Oh, I'm starting this business with this person. I'm doing this business. I'm doing that. I'm selling this. I'm selling that. So when the idea came about, it was just, we fell into the roles naturally. He was going to be the technical person who was going to, initially we started with a website. So we had a website where people would go browse the categories and place their order but now recently we've, we have the app, which is live. So yeah. he actually builds the app from scratch. Oh, wow. And for us, it's like, okay, you take that technical role because that's what you enjoy doing. And then I will do the business side of things. So I do everything from operations, admin, logistics. 
all the business things that he finds, you know, boring. I do. So it's just, we didn't, I don't think we even had a conversation per se. It was just like, okay, I'm going to be doing the tech stuff. You deal with the other things, yeah. you know? And I'm like, I'll gladly do it because I was also looking for a way out of this corporate world I was in. So it was like, okay, I think I can do this. I, I, I think we bring, we bring a lot to the table. Okay. The technical side of things is as important as the non-technical side of things. And it's 50-50 really when you look at it because right. his work is hard. He has to sit behind the computer for hours trying to build an app. And it takes months. It took, it took him about seven, eight months working on it every single day for hours. And for me, it's also a lot on the other side because you're dealing with distributors, you're dealing with suppliers, you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with employees, you're dealing with regulations, you're dealing with, you know, everything. So we really balance each other out. Oh, that's amazing. You know, yeah. a lot of the time when people get an idea, mm. right? And, you know, they may get the idea and then they start. Because I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many businesses that I've started and about 80% of those businesses failed, right? Mm. Now, the problem with a lot of people is that they start a business and they just don't carry the same energy that they started with. Mm. You know, how do you manage that personally? You know, and how do you guys pick each other up, you know, to make sure that the ideas you have comes into flourishing? I mean, doing business is hard. I'm not even going to lie. But if you have someone on your team who motivates you just as much as you motivate them, and if you have a blueprint, you have, like, you know, a template you're following, it makes it easy. If you start a business and you don't have a plan, you don't have a vision, you really don't know what you're doing, you're just trying it out, you realize real quick it's going to fail. But when you have, like, there's a solid plan in place, in the first year, we're going to do this. In the second year, we're going to do that. In the third year, we're going to experiment with this. That concrete plan is the vision for the business. So it helps you always stay on your toes because you know what to do next. You're not confused. There's no chaos, you know, and you bounce energy off each other. So every time I'm down, he knows exactly how to, you know, get me motivated. It's like, oh, you know what? There's this event happening here. And I think because I'm, I'm also a very sociable person, I always want to go to events, network, meet people. There's an event I think you should go to. You know, you can go grab, you know, grab a few drinks with people, but then also pick their brains on a few things. And once I do that, I'm like, oh, okay. I went to this, you know, group of, I met these group of women at this, you know, event and we bounced ideas off each other. And I think I have another, you know, idea for what we're trying to do. Every time there's a hurdle or a challenge, I think I've gotten, you know, the solution to that problem. And then we just, you know, we move on and then we do it. And then same with him. If there's ever something, I'm like, you know what? Let's take a break. Go watch your Premier League Chelsea games. And then <laughs> when you're done, you know, that's because it's business. You need to have a, a personal time. You know, you need to carve time out for yourself when you're in business. If not, you're going to go insane. You're not going to do it 24-7. There are days in, in the week that you should take a bit of like an hour for yourself. Go sit somewhere, have a drink, have lunch, read a book, do something for yourself that is not business related. And we try to do that as much as possible. Yeah. So there's, there are some things that happen in my mind that mm. I usually call the devil, right? And then there are some things that happen that I usually call them um, God. So anytime I get a positive idea, I say God. Mm. And anytime I get a negative idea, I say, oh, the devil is trying to set in. That's a good one. One of the things that usually happens is, for example, I wake up today, this morning, I was supposed to do um, three sets of 
uh, um, pull-ups. Mm-hmm. And I only did two. And there was a point where just when I was about to do the next one, something came in and said, oh man, mm-hmm. don't do it. This happens in business a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you get over that? Mm-hmm. Positive energy, positive vibes. When you're in business, you also need to stay away from the people who are constantly, you know, the, con- the negative energy and the negative aura. It sucks out the, the, the energy in you. If you're constantly with people who are always like, oh my God, this is not going to work. Oh my God, I feel like you shouldn't try it. You shouldn't do this. Or they're constantly talking about all the negative things happening in this world, but never the positives. It drains you really quickly. So over the years, I've, I've realized that the people in my circle now are people that we, we're, we're like, we support each other. So we have, there's this positive energy. I have friends that I call and I know if I call this person right now, no matter how I'm feeling at this point in time, that person is going to say the right things to make me want to not give up because that person has known about the journey of consume since day one. Even my parents, like that days I'm down, I'm like, okay, the, today I need mommy talk because our mothers just have a way of, you know, they know us so well that when I call my mom and I'm down, I'm like, this is what's happening, you know, and I'm so down. She knows exactly what to say. She see that you've been doing this for two years. And she said like in the most loving, as if I'm a baby and she's just trying to console me and she's like, you can do it. Don't give up. Don't let, don't, don't, don't let them get your knees weak. That's how she says it. Like literal translation. Don't, don't, your knees shouldn't get weak because of this. You know, you, you can do it. You can do anything. You've been doing this for two years. Ah, this is nothing. And then you, after the conversation, like, wow, this is actually nothing. Why am I even bothered about it? And then you just pick yourself up. You move on because that's it. In business, you need positive mindset. You need positive energy. So if you're not, you don't have that kind of positive mindset or positive energy around you, it's going to drain you. So you need to find the people who can really bring out the best in you and that positive positivity in you. Wow. That, that's yeah. amazing. Um, I guess for me, you know, I've got two people like that in my life and they've been amazing mm-hmm. um, throughout the journey. But you see, there is, um, as you already know, there is motivation and there's self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, which one do you think is very important when you're doing business? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And how do you, as an entrepreneur, mm. where do you play? You know, mm. which, which one do you tend to use the most? But obviously we need both, mm. right? The typical Cecilia answer will be 50-50. Typical. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you need to be very disciplined in business as much as you need motivation. I say they go hand in hand because you can't be disciplined without motivation. And you can't be motivated if you're not disciplined, if you're not self-disciplined. What do I mean by this? So in business, you need to have a plan of what you want to achieve. You know, you prioritize things. Today, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to record a podcast with Derek. And then after the podcast, I'm going to rush to the facility center, see how things are happening there. And then I'm going to call you know, this person or send an email or send a presentation, you know. So you need to be disciplined enough to block time out of your busy schedule to do things. If not, then it's just chaos all over the place. But then how are you going to get through the day if you're not motivated? You need to have some sort of motivation. So for me, motivation is, it's very little things that motivate me. 
as little as just listening to music when I'm driving, you know, or just listening to a podcast, you know, on, 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 like on my phone when I'm driving, just those little things, you know, so they go hand in hand. You can't be disciplined without motivation. And you can't be motivated if you're not disciplined, really. In business, it goes hand in hand. Yes, I, I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, this part of the world where you are, we have a lot of challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who exploit those challenges and um, they use it against other people. Mm. There are businesses who've struggled a lot. Entrepreneurs have, have faced a lot of issues here. Mm-hmm. Getting through the government policies, uh, um, you know, laws and things like that. And then also government departments and processing mm-hmm. documents. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just chaos. That's endless. <laughs> How did you overcome that? Mm. So for us in the beginning... Um, my brother-in-law, when we started, he was part of the team, but now he's doing his own thing. He was the one who was dealing with all those, those like going to all the government agencies, the registrar general for our business registration, the GRA for our taxi, our TIN number and all of that. He did that part of the work. I think we let him do it because he understands the system from that angle better than we do. You know, when, you, when you've grown up abroad, I'd say, you tend to think things should be a certain way and you're not flexible in your thinking. You're like, okay, if I go to this office, I present my documents and they say within one week, my registration document should be ready. It should be ready within one week. You're expecting yeah. to come back to have yeah. your documents. Whereas in this part of the world, that's not the case. You might go and the person's like, oh, unfortunately, the person who's supposed to sign the document for you is not around. So you need to come back the following week and then the following week. And then later down the line, you realize, no, it's not about that. It's about them indirectly trying to tell you, you know what, you need to part with a bit of money so that we can sign the paper for you. Mm. But if you don't understand it, you know, you always be going back, you know, trying to get that document. So for us, he had lived here. He knew the system and he knew how to, you know, if they say it's going to be ready in a month, he knew, I think also because he had friends who had, you know, worked in these places or had done, gone through these processes. So it was easier for him to call on people like, hey, I want, you know, to support my, my brother and his wife, register a business. How do I go about it? So it was easier that way. Because if I had done it, oh my goodness, I don't think we would have registered the time we did. <laughs> I'd still be going back and yeah. back to the office because I wouldn't understand that they're trying to get me, you know, maybe they want me to do something, but I wouldn't get it because I can't read between the lines. You know, I'll just be wasting my time and wasting their time. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I was speaking to one of my friends who wanted to start a business. And then he said, one of his biggest problem is the fear of failure. And then I said, I've probably failed more times than I've, I've won. True. And anytime I fail, before he used to pain a lot, mm. pay me a lot. But now I almost get the same level of euphoria as a win mm. because I'm now in the process of learning. Mm-hmm. So I get people like yourself, come on this podcast. It's not because, you know, um, the only people that I need to learn from you are the viewers or the listeners mm. because I want to learn as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, failure is, is a learning process. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. But how do you overcome that fear as a business lady? You can't, you can't, you can't get into business if you're afraid to fail. You've already failed by thinking you're going to fail. Boom. Really and truly. You need to take that like big leap of faith if you want to start something. Anything in this world, if you're going to do it. There's always that, possi- that huge possibility that is going to fail. But then if you don't do it, how are you even going to know that it's going to succeed? The only way we're in this business is because we tried in the first place. If we had listened to all the people who said, oh, consume, it's not going to work. Grocery delivery. But there's so many grocery deliveries in here. And I'm like, no, but we bring something different to the table. We're not the average grocery delivery. We're not just bringing fresh produce or going to the market to buy your things for you. Ours is different. You know, the, the, the offerings are different. Our unique selling points are different. But if you never, if we had never embarked on this journey, would I have known whether consume will succeed or not? Never. So if you're afraid to fail, you've already failed by thinking that you're going to fail in the first place. You always have to just, you know, do what you have to do. If there's a strong, like, urge to do something, and that's one thing with, with, with me, I'm like, if there's a strong sense of something is, like, do it, do it, do it. Don't ignore it because your right. instincts is telling you that there's something there. But if you do it and you feel it's a good learning experience for you, if you do it and you succeed, then, wow, you clap for yourself. But if you fail, it's just one of those things. People fail. I mean, people like Bill Gates will tell you or Mark Zuckerberg, you yeah. know, the number of times they failed or even Jeff Bezos or even let's bring it down to like Ghana. I'm sure if you speak to any of the, the Ghanaian, you know, big, in quotes, big men and women, that's all you, you're seeing just the end results, right? Yeah. But even to get to this level, they must have failed like so many yeah, times. I, I think I was telling you that um, when we first, you know, started a pharmacy mm. in Ghana, you know, we, we, the pharmacy was in Islegon. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we had been in the business. We had paid all the rent and done all those things. Mm. You know, we spent a lot of money to put it up and do all the fancy launch and things like that. Two years down the line, the completely bad idea it failed. Now, I had sleepless nights over it, but I had to close it down and mm-hmm. move on, mm-hmm. find something else, find another location that works. Mm-hmm. Now, when we had our, our first pharmacy in the UK, the NHS services was just not working for the online platform mm. that we were on. We had to move on from mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you see, I think for most people, it's just a blow to their ego. Mm. You know, oh, I, I made it work. So people hold on for too long. Mm. You know? No, that's, that's, that's yeah, they hold on for too long. And I think mm. you, you were saying something about ideas and people need to think of new ideas, mm. you know? Um, I was reading something in the book that talks about um, creative ideas and th- synthetic ideas. Mm. And that most of the ideas come from synthetic ideas, which are ideas that already exist to just improve upon it. Mm. Like you guys have done. Mm-hmm. You've just improved upon, mm-hmm. you know, an existing system within with existing system within the country. Mm-hmm. Improved, add your own USPs to it. Mm-hmm. And now look, it's working. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, you know, just to buttress what you're saying, people really need to think about, mm. um, you know, what they need to do and get it done and forget thinking about failing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. And I mean, business is hard. Yeah. But when you, if you're holding on to something that is not, you can't even hold on to it. It's just slipping through your fingers. And you should know it's time to let go. Yeah. 
it's not the end of the world. So I came into a conversation with a woman recently, fantastic businesswoman who's been in business in Ghana for about 20 years. She makes some of the most beautiful packaging or packaged um, like black soap, shampoo, lotions. She learns, I think she learns abroad a bit and then she, she mixes her own things and she's figured it out. And she had a business at um, Marina Mall and she was paying in dollars like 10, 11 years ago. And she said business was going so well, but then the economy is not thriving. So she had to shut down her business at the Marina Mall. And she was like, she was heartbroken. But then at that point, she knew the rent and what she was making and revenue and profits, it wasn't adding up. So she had to let go. But then surprisingly, when she let go of that opportunity, another opportunity came up in another location in Osu. Actually, two opportunities came up, one in Osu and one in the Chado area. And then she was like, see what God has done. Mm. I shut down one business and, and I've been able to open come up. two. Yeah. So, like, so basically what she was trying to tell me is, in business, never like you know, never look. Use your one eye to look into the bottle, thinking, "Oh my God, you know, this is the only way, and this is the highway." You should always be open to opportunities. You should op- be open to you know the different things that come your way. If the universe is telling you to shut down a business, there's nothing you can do about it. If the business is going downhill, it will go downhill real fast. Yeah. But maybe when that door shuts, another will be open somewhere. Yeah. I admire, like, the family behind Malcolm. They've done incredibly well in Ghana. And every time I look at, like, the new mall they've built, because I go there, you know, to, you know, my, you know, they have a play area, so my daughter goes to play. I'm like, this is incredible. And the car park and everything, I don't know if you've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a huge investment. Yeah. But this, if they are doing all of this in an economy that fluctuates, there's a secret they know that we don't. Meaning it's, it never lasts forever. You know, the positive, the, the economic downturn will, will, will you know, will, will go, turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It stabilize at And it'll stabilize then, at some point. It's not, the economy is not always going to go downhill or dwindle. It will at some point stabilize. And if they've been doing this for, I don't know, 20-something years, 30-something years, gosh, what do I have to complain about? I've been in business for two years. <laughs> Better <laughs> shut up and just, you know, yeah. 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 Um, you get an idea. You know, you're crazy enough to even think of starting a business, right? And then all of a sudden, get a shop or you build a website or, and you put a bunch of people together to come and mm-hmm. manage it for you, do things for you. There's always a certain level of micromanaging in Ghana. Mm-hmm. How do you guys, you know, do all of that? That's a good one. In the beginning, I was micromanaging a lot. Also because I felt like my work ethic and that of my employees were very different. So it took a lot of training. I've, I, I can't even tell you how many employees we've gone through to get to this point. With, you know, hire, they don't come back. You know, no, no reason. Like when you meet, you have a conversation. You're like, okay, you have to give me notice if you want to leave. Sure, madam. Like, sure, I'll, I'll give you notice. I'll do this. And they just don't come. They don't show up for work. They don't call. They don't text. I can't even like count how many employees we've gone through. But now we have a stable group of employees and we have a manager, a solid manager in place. And they do a good job in my absence. So today I haven't even checked my phone and everything will go according to plan. It's like an autopilot. So if orders come in, 
They know what to do. They package it. They send it. The writers take it. They deliver. They come back. They'll do everything. At the end of the day, they'll do the accounting. I'll just check to make sure all the orders um, tally with, you know, whatever it is that needs to be tallied with. But in the big, in the initial stages, it was a lot of micromanaging. But with training and like constantly training them. And also that days I used to go to the shop myself, you know, the facility center. And I'm like, today I'm working with you the whole of today. So when orders come, I take like baskets, I go around, I'm like, see how we do it. You take your, you take the tablets, you walk around, you look at the That's items. That's true leadership. Yeah. You know, so they see how it's done. And once they, I think when they can see you from that level, then it also changes things a bit. Because if they see you from up there, sometimes they don't really understand what you, what you expect of them. But when you're down there with them, you're just like, okay, let's do this together today. Whatever phone calls come in, I'm answering it. You know, whatever orders come in, I'm packing it. And you have to just assist me, you know. And then you build a rapport with them. You get to know them on a personal level too. My leadership style is very different. I have a very personable relationship with my employees. Like I, they can call me when they have issues. And that's the level we've gotten to. Like if they have issues at home, they'll call me and they can call me at any time of the day. Madam, this is the difficulty I'm facing today. I just wanted to inform you because tomorrow it looks like I can't come to work. It's totally fine. Sort out your, your personal problems because if you don't sort it out, you won't be able to give me your 100%. So take a day off, sort it out and come back when you, you feel like you're at your 100%. And it works for me and for the business we're in, the business we run. Because then they do it happily and, and they do it without, you know, a lot of people do it for the paycheck, but they don't do it for the paycheck only. They do it because they see the vision, because you've spoken to them about the vision over and over again. You've told them, you know, what you expect of them and they see how you go about doing things and they just replicate what they see. So now when I see the, the ladies doing the customer service, I'm so impressed because they pick the phone with confidence. Initially, they used to like... It was like they were whispering on the phone. They were timid a bit. But now they pick the phone. They're very confident. Hello, madam. This is this person from Consume. We've received your order. And the rider is about to set off. You know, once he gets to your location, he'll call you. So please keep your phone next to you. And it's like, I know I'm doing something right. If now they can confidently pick the phone, call customers. And if there's any issues, they don't even call me. Back in the day, in the first year, when that issue is like, maybe the police stops one of the riders or something. They'll have to call me. Madam, please, the police has stopped one of the riders. Can you please call the rider? But now they don't even call me. They're just like, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, yeah, the police stopped one of the riders or maybe one of the riders and, you know, a car nearly hit him, you know, but they're fine. So micromanaging in the beginning, yes, but you need to train them and also make them feel as part of the company. You're building it together. They're not building it for you, but you're all building it together, you know, and have incentives in place. Like with other incentives, uh, I'm, I'm definitely learning. I'm, 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 I'm making notes <laughs> yeah. uh, mentally and on, on the, in the book as well. You know, talk about relationship with employees mm. and uh, making them understand uh, the goal and the vision. I have a bad experience. Mm. Um, I am going to learn mm-hmm. based on some of the things you said. But you know, there was really there was there was one guy we really trusted mm. back in the UK. When we started, he was with us, I think, halfway through. Because we've be, we been doing this since 2014. Mm, that's a long time. Yeah. So I think he joined us 2017. Mm-hmm. He understood exactly what we were doing. The vision, you know, we, we, we took care of him. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of months down the line, he realized exactly where we were going. Mm. 
created competition for us. Right? Mm. So I appreciate all of that. Mm. And, you know, getting close to the employees yeah. and making them understand things. Um, but it wasn't just about creating competition. Mm. It's about the fact that your policies were taken. Mm. Your, your, your customers. Your customers mm. were taken. Your, your doctors were taken. Whoever um, distributes to you. Mm. Everything was everything. taken. Mm. You know, and yeah. sometimes it can be painful. It is. You know. It is. I'm not going to lie. It in, is. In, 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 throughout the business I've done, it's probably one of the most painful experiences mm. I've had. It stinks yeah. when that happens. I mean, yeah. I've had employees. When we started, we had a young lady work with us. I showed her the business. I trusted her. And then she just out of nowhere, like, was like, oh, she's, she's got a job offer somewhere else. And that was it. And it broke my heart. I think that was the first painful lesson for me because she had been with us for a year. And she was, she was doing so well. I could see her even getting to a managerial position because she was that good. She knew the ins and outs of the job. And she was like, oh, I got an offer somewhere else. And the offer was not even that great. And I was like, why do you want to leave? She was like, well, because, you know, my mom said her friend is her friend's business and this. And I was like, okay. But it hurt me so much. I, I think I dwelled on it for a while. Like, oh, I could see like the future with you in it. I could see you like in another branch as a manager of the place, right? But yeah, it, it really hurts, especially when employees that you trust and yeah. you really show everything do that. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it was only this year that, not even this year, maybe the past three months mm. that I decided to get back to it again, mm. um, get a bit closer to my employees mm. and, you know, take them out for lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. Yeah. But I'm still very careful. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are still some employees that I have that if they decide to live today. Um, oh, hurts. Yeah, I'm happy to let them go. But mm-hmm. for the time and the effort that I've invested in mm-hmm. them, the training, the resources. Um, I get you. Yeah. 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 Even now, the, we have a solid group of like employees working for us. And there's a, now there's a, like a dynamic in the workplace. So if any of them say they're leaving, it's going to, there's going to be a bit of a crack. But then I keep saying to myself, you know, nobody's tied to my business. Their destiny is not tied to my business. So if they want to feel free and go, they need to go and fly. And I need to be accepting of the fact that they want to go elsewhere and explore. And I need to be okay with hiring someone else and training them to be that good to come and fill in that position. You know, I can't... I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but if they come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm leaving, there's nothing I can do about it. I just have to employ someone else and train the person so they can be as good. And that's all we can do, really. Every entrepreneur that I've spoken to, anytime I speak to them, one of the things that's very important to them is mentorship. Mm. Have you had any level of mentorship? Um, mm. Do you plan on, you know, getting yourself involved in things like that? I mean, I don't have a direct mentor, I'd say. But then I have people that are older than me who have been in business way longer than me. So occasionally when I need to chat with someone, I know who to call. You know, I so for instance, one of my uncle's friends in his 60s, he's been doing business. He's in the um, logistics space. He's been doing business in Ghana for about 30 years. Every time I feel like, you know what, I need some talking to when it comes to business in Ghana, I just give him a call. Hi, uncle. So today, 
this is the topic for discussion. I just, and he is always willing to listen. Even like, even though we haven't said like, oh, you're my mentor. It's just that conversation. Mm. Oh, okay. Have you tried doing it this way? Have you tried doing that? And it helps. So I don't have a direct mentor to say, oh, I have a, like a woman in my corner or a man in my corner. But I have people that when, you know, push comes to shove, I can call and get some advice because they've been doing business for years in Ghana. So they know exactly what I'm going through. They feel the pain and they can give me one or two like tips on how to navigate the situation. Yeah. So do you think that is it, it is important for someone who may have certain ideas, some burning desires, Mm-hmm. You know, to create a business or start one, to have mentorship. Yep. You need someone you can always reach out to. You need, you always need someone. And mentorship is very, very important. You know, mentorship is important. My former supervisor, she was absolutely brilliant. I think that's where I take most of my leadership skills from. She was the head of the, um, our department and she was fantastic. I used to love her leadership style. You know, when it came to doing the work, She'll, be, she'll get you to do the work and you do it diligently and you do it to, you dot all your, like your eyes and, and, and um, how do you say, you know, um, what's the word? Dot your cross all your, cross, cross your all your T's. Yeah. You would do that. But then when it came to actually downtime, oh, the company, we're having drinks or we're having games night. She knew, she knew about me. She knew about everybody and what they were going through. She knew about their challenges, their family life. But when it came to doing the work, we respected her so much. So we'd do the work. And she is one of the people, I meet up with her when I'm in Berlin every time for like lunch. And it's always nice. Just it's refreshing to know that I know someone like that. And her leadership style is what I want to emulate. Yeah. At this point in Consume, mm-hmm. what do you need to be able to take you guys to the next level? Hmm. That's a really deep question. So what we need to take us to the next level is finance. Um, We've been applying for a few grants here and there. I also think because we haven't been taking this seriously, we're just like, okay, let's do what we can do now. And they'll see the hard work. But it's a bootstrapped company. So no investors whatsoever, no money from anyone except family and friends. So with the little money that we've, gotten and put together in the savings, we've made it this far. So imagine if an investor actually truly believes in the consumer idea and they're like, here, take this money and run with it. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll take off. So I definitely think um, your company, right, mm-hmm. could be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Because I'm seeing um, you guys having several warehouses, mm. district warehouses mm-hmm. within the country. Mm-hmm. That, that's the delivery mm-hmm. from the district mm-hmm. um, warehouses. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Yes. And being able to manage the fleet of, um, you know, bikes mm-hmm. and also, most importantly, either electric bikes mm-hmm. or bicycle. It's like, you know what our vision is? Because we're, we want to... We, we, we keep saying one of our vision plan is to transition from, you know, um, well, diesel right. powered vehicles to electric by 2024. We don't know how we're going to get there in 2024, but we know we are really optimistic that we're going in 2024, we're going to transition 
from diesel powered to electric fully. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Once again, share this conversation to all your friends and family. Let people understand what we are here to do. Connected Minds. On the next episode, we shall see you.